listening to Bloomsbury Radio and we are broadcasting all things Bloomsbury Festival 2021. Now, I am all for being prepared for live interviews. Um, but I have to say, and all down to my own, my own, and I love live radio for this very reason. I was looking at my emails and I was thinking, I'm sure I've got a live interview at five o'clock. And ding dong, the doorbell went. And I have been joined in the last seconds <laughs> by two, I think, really interesting, fascinating people. Because first of all, they are just totally gained to be able to come in and grab the chairs and grab microphones and start to say hi. But look, let's start a conversation. And I want to please welcome to um, Bloomsbury uh, Radio, Rihanna and yeah, Rihanna and Maria. Hi. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Very well. Good, good thanks. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Blues Radio. Now, listen, you guys are involved in an exciting event that is taking place this evening. Can you fill me in? Whoever wants to jump in, just jump in. But can you tell us a bit about what's happening this evening? Uh, so, uh, Maria and I are from a company called Extant. And we are the UK's leading professional performing arts company of visually impaired people. Um, And this evening, as part of the Bloomsbury Festival, we have been supporting Christopher Hunter to produce um, something that he's been very interested in for several years, um, States of Mind, which is based on Shakespeare's first ever bestseller, Venus and Adonis, um, which was the poem. Um, So in those times, if you were to say... Who is Shakespeare? They wouldn't say he was the author of Romeo and Juliet. He would say, you know, he is the author of Venus and Adonis. It was that popular. Um, And it came out of something that we all think is very familiar and very apt. Mm. Um, It was written during uh, the plague when uh, sort of another pandemic shut down all of London's theatres. I mean... I find this. I find it fascinating because I mean, for, we'll get into the poem in a second, uh, the the Shakespearean poem in a second. But just tell me about the company states of mind. So, how did this sort of begin? Has it been around forever, and you guys have you know come in recently, or did you form it, or how did that all sort of happen? So, um, uh, my name's Maria, and I Hi, set Maria. up the company <laughs> Extant years and years and years and years ago, far far too far too far back in the midst of time. I've even forgotten how long ago, and. Um, the company, like Rianne said, is to support visually impaired artists and also the productions that we make as well support visually impaired audiences. So though we promote our shows as being accessible for everybody, we do try and create at the heart of all of the work um, something that is creative and accessible on stage for audiences. So all of our productions include something called audio description. Mm -hmm. The audio description is something that usually, if you're blind, you go to theatre, you wear a pair of headsets, and Mm. then you get somebody in the lighting box telling you what's happening on the stage in terms of the action and also the physical appearance of the characters, etc. But in our company, we choose to make that one of the artistic tools. So for each show, we'll find um, a new creative way to make that whole audio description thing a live and exciting thing on stage. So that's what we've been doing for years and years and years and years, but also, like I say, supporting um, you know, freelance artists with their ideas. Now, Chris came to us, Christopher Hunter, who's mm. directed and written this, came to us, I don't know, back in 2015. Mm. And he came to want to see one of our shows that was completely different to this particular show that's um, set on stage tonight at, at, at the RADA Studios. The show that we were developing at the time was an immersive piece in the pitch dark where we gave everybody a robotic device to hold and they moved around this dark um, environment, feeling um, sets, interactive tactile sets and listening to you know, the drama unfolding um, around them. 
And Chris came to that and he was really interested in what we do. And he said, look, you know, I've been working on this, this play, this, well, this play that was adapted from the poem mm. Venus and Adonis. And I think it'd be a great thing for visually impaired actors to work on because the language of Shakespeare is so, you know, visceral and oral and it would be a great thing for... And often when people think about visually impaired actors, they think about them in terms of their voices and language, which, which is fine and good. But the thing that we've always tried to do in the company is, is promote the physical um, excitement that there can be around the experience of being visually impaired as well. So uh, we've been encouraging Chris to not only, um, yes, you know, uh, direct a play that is, you know, using the words of Shakespeare in this poem that he's now adapted into, the, into this two-hander play, mm. but also think about how he can incorporate audio description into the play in a meaningful way. And he's found a really ingenious way of doing that. He set the whole, I mean, the whole thing was originally set in a, a kind of, psychiatric or clinical setting so he's moved it from originally in this woodland setting with it where these two characters meet an older woman and a younger man mm-hmm. and he's kind of relocated it into a medical setting so the older woman is a doctor and the younger man is a patient and the thing that chris and i suppose with our encouragement has brought to the production is that the whole room and uh, interplay between the two characters is observed by a clinician, which is off stage, is basically on a microphone, and this clinician is just taking notes of everything that they do on stage. And in that way, it's, it's acting as, as audio description for a visually impaired audience, but it's integrated as one of the characters in the piece itself. Mm-hmm. And so we're really excited about that. We saw a tech run of it on uh, Thursday at the RADA Studios, and, it, and it's really exciting and mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the audiences think of it tonight. And in relation to the actors then, are they visually impaired as well? And that's, uh, okay. Yes. Yes. So that, <laughs> Sorry, so that, nodding. And yeah, you know, that's fine. That's that has to be. There isn't, so visually impaired actors. Uh, we like to support visually impaired mm. actors because, um, you know, there is an underrepresentation of mm-hmm. um, disabled actors in the industry. Mm-hmm. And our com- there are other, other companies that work pan disability. We work particularly with visual impairment mm-hmm. um, because we want to explore some of the really interesting terrain, like I've just described to you, around how we can all incorporate um, audio description. But mm-hmm. also we want to promote the employment opportunities for visually impaired people and I know that these two actors who are you know very um, experienced actors in their own right have really they've jumped at the chance of doing this play because the characters the characters are have nothing to do with visual impairment and it's very rare that they get offered parts like that usually mm. that they're, they're what they're there to play the blind character but not in yeah, this case yeah yeah so in relation to turning it from a wood setting then into a medical setting i'm it's kind of really curious about that because uh, does the story or the narrative of this poem which i have not read okay um does that it clearly works in both settings or how much kind of adaptation needed to be done well um in the original poem um a, a woman a goddess venus meets adonis i'm not sure whether he is a god or not anyway he's <laughs> he sounds like a god doesn't he, he? sounds like a god <laughs> with a name like that yeah. um in a wood and the whole interplay between them is around love and lust consent and coercion 
Uh, and it goes backwards and forwards, you know, with this kind of interplay until there's a dramatic kind of conclusion. When that's relocated into this clinical setting, the power dynamics are really interesting um, because of the, the professionalism that is being kind of created by the, you know, the, within, between the doctor, the patient. And because there's um, this sort of, psycholo- sort of psychology being played out between them, they're almost entering a role play um, in this therapeutic sort of situation and the this this kind of role play is where you can have the you know it's like sort of a, there are all sorts of different types of therapeutic kind of methodologies aren't there that use um mythology and stuff to um uh, and archetypes to sort of uh move pieces around on the chessboard so you, it's not the individual themselves that has been spoken about in terms of trauma yeah. but you use artifacts or symbols yeah. and i suppose that's the idea in this this play that you know the um even though the language is shakespearean language and the setting is definitely describing woodland the contrast with where we are in this clinical setting is definitely not the woodland and yet it's um, permissible because of the role play that they're partaking in. And do you think that the the medical setting was that anyway influenced by COVID <laughs> over the last eighteen months? I mean, That's interesting. Well, I, and I also ask it because in relation to doctor patient, I, I mean, I was a patient myself eighteen months ago with COVID, and I and I and I do kind of think there is a god. <laughs> and then you know more human kind of sometimes a relationship can play out like that because the consultant is the is the real expert and knows what direction to take and. You know, sometimes you're not an equal player in those conversations yeah, when it comes yeah. to, you know, your medical well-being. So did, did that come into your minds or into Christopher's well, mind as well? I don't, I don't, he's never mentioned that. But what we have spoken about, and this is like not that it necessarily uh, is prominent in the play, but it's the whole thing about the disabled body being medicalized. And um, that's something that we thought might come across with this observational setup that we've got going on with the audio describer but that's very much for somebody to read into it if mm. they're you know they're they're that way inclined that mm-hmm. i was i was kind of interested in that's what it said to me mm. as a disabled person mm-hmm. and aware of the politics involved in that whole medical model mm-hmm. So in relation to the event itself, uh, actually, before we get into that, let me just ask you, how did your relationship begin with Bloomsbury Festival? We um, have been long-term collaborators with Bloomsbury Festival. We quite often present something different every year. Um, And as a company, we like to use the Bloomsbury Festival as an opportunity to work with different freelance, visually impaired directors or writers um, to kind of further their publicity and their career and have an experience um, working under sort of or with Extant as an associate artist. Um, So it's kind of just an opportunity for us to help further their work um, in a way that is sort of very supported by Extant and also supported by Bloomsbury Festival. And outside Bloomsbury Festival, what does Extant get up to? Similar things or is it... All sorts. Get up to lots of mischief. Um, (laughs) Good. We, so every sort of 18 months to two years, we produce a large scale touring production. Um, And so in the past, we've sort of 
combine that with what we call hub building work, which is more participatory groups, uh, grassroots level drama um, with visually impaired communities in the areas that we're touring to. Um, we do a lot of participatory work in London and we've got a regular improvisation group that we managed to sort of keep going throughout COVID. Um, and so that's now a mix of online and in person. And it's just a chance for people to come along, be social mm. and sort of try drama for the first time. Mm. And then we also have um, some different artist development programs. Um, so sort of our, our flagship one is Pathways. And so that's different um, different strands of training for um, we've done actors, directors, writers, and we're going to do sort of like backstage roles as well. And um, so there'll be masterclasses and mentoring for visually impaired artists that want to go down those career paths. And the two it- actors actually that are in this show, Gillian and Robin, are both on our Pathways Directors program at the moment as right. well. Right, right. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I wonder if we could do something with Bloomsbury Radio, actually. I think we, we possibly could. I mean, it sounds like we could explore options there around um, visually impaired uh, you know, presenters and maybe doing some kind of radio work. I think that'd be quite fascinating to explore. That sounds great. That sounds great. Um, in, in relation to the event itself, then, uh, let's talk a bit about that. Uh, what time it's on this evening, where, and all that kind of stuff. So it's on this evening at Rada Studios at 8.30pm. No, nice succinct answer. And right now, are, are we? We're not. Are we? Are we sold out? Are we not sold out just yet? Is it all? Uh, last we checked, we're not sold out, and I think tickets are twelve. They are ten pound concession. They and are. You can book both. You can come turn up in person. It'd be mm. lovely to see you. Mm. Uh, and or you can book and buy a ticket for an online screening of it. Okay, right. So the, the the virtual option is there as well yeah, yeah. for those because I, I'm guessing a lot of people will be still you know shielding etc. and probably quite nervous about coming back into those types of environments. Um, let me ask you about though how different it feels for you uh, to be able to kind of even put this on. I mean, let's 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 be honest. You know, the Bloomsbury Festival last year, as we all know, was all online, and we did our broadcasting here. We were in complete lockdown. The streets were completely empty. It was weird. How is it feeling different? Are you feeling already by just kind of walking around and breathing in the atmosphere around you? Are you feeling excited? Is it well? You know, last year, in actual fact. We did present something for Bloomsbury. It was called I Say, I Say, I Say, and it was a stand-up comedy act with 16 visually impaired comedians, and they were all in situ at... What's that that venue called? Um, (coughs) Sorry. You're (laughs) all right, you're all right, you're all right. I don't remember this is like... No. A lot has happened in a year. (laughs) Um... But, uh, yes, we were definitely... It was a beautiful hall. I remember it well, and it was... uh, Yes, anyway, definitely in the area, in mm-hmm. the Bloomsbury area. And we had, but the thing is, that was all live stream. So we, what we did was we, cu- we created all these cardboard cutouts oh, I to love sit it. in the audience. I love it. And we stenciled onto their faces, so just to amuse the, um, the comedians, like famous people like Lenny Henry and Stevie Wondy and Jimi <laughs> Hendrix and Dawn French and Morecambe Wise. So they were all <laughs> in the front rows watching the, um, the, the comedians. And that was all live stream. So... That was that felt like live, but it did feel like it missed an audience. Mm. And the thing that's going to be different about tonight, obviously, is that we will have a live audience, and that hasn't we haven't been in a situation like that for two years. Yeah. And uh, I, I think you should be asking me the, this question after the event. Yeah, absolutely. But I know I'm, I'm quite. You know, it's that whole. It is completely different. Yeah. It's the thing that you will be, you know, be up 
sort of close and personal with your audience as they walk into the auditorium. They sit down, you'll be able to hear all of their responses during the the show itself. And then afterwards, they'll be able to grab you and tell you what they thought about it. Mm. And that's, um, you just don't get that online. No, of course not. And and I'm I'm, I'm telling you now, without getting you back into the studio, that is going to happen, isn't it? I mean, you just, you know, people are going to grab you and they're going to say, wow, or whatever. But those (laughs) those conversations are going to be happening once your event and I just think it's super exciting even to have you back in the studio here uh, even to be able to talk to you uh, you know and see you yeah. I mean just makes you know in the flesh just makes for such a, a different experience especially when I was so surprised to you at the front door well you see what's really interesting is that I don't think that we oh, maybe we have I don't know maybe maybe COVID has made us understand the drama that is involved in just all of our day-to-day activities just you know being able to walk down the street you know get onto the tube get off you know there's always drama taking place mm. at every turn of a corner yeah you know you you know there was that moment where you open the door and you look completely like nonplussed you know that was a perfect in frame of a dramatic moment and all of this is happening around us all the time and that's the thing that we've been starved of for so many months yeah yeah and it's come well you know fingers crossed it's it's gently coming back um so look i want to just wish you both uh, the best of luck for this evening. I think Thank obviously you. it sounds super yeah. exciting. Um, so tickets are still available, as Rihanna said, uh, £12, £10 concession. And you can go into Rada Studios and online for that information. Um, really, really exciting. Does Christopher Hunter have anything else in the pipeline with you guys, or is this it so far? This is it so far. I mean, he's hoping, and we're all hoping that, um, you know, we've got some kind of quite key people that we've invited to come along this evening and we're hoping that it will have a life after this so Mm. I think he's kind of you know Mm. really rooting for that but also um, for us we just hope that we continue this relationship with Bloomsbury because you know they've been fantastic the festival at supporting us being really aware of access needs for our performers and um, you know I think that they do a, a really brilliant job at each year being, being able to raise the money and make sure that you know even during the pandemic that we, mm. all, we all continued in one way yeah that's something something happened yeah 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 yeah. well listen um, all the best I'm, I'm actually you know I was really thinking what song could I possibly play just you know sometimes I like to be inspired to play something I couldn't think of anything but, but you are kind of both sort of superstars in a way the way you've um, managed to just pop into the studio grab a chair grab a mic and just talk so I thought I'd finish with Arctic Monkeys and Star Treatment but listen thanks so much <laughs> it's a bit random um, and listen have a wonderful evening and I and listen let, please let's explore options for what we talked about earlier at Bloomsbury Radio and indeed if you want to come back into the studio and perhaps talk about those visceral experiences that you're going to experience tonight um, at some later stage uh, maybe over the coming days but uh, to Rihanna and to Maria listen just thanks so much for your time you've been amazing thank Thank you. you